Welcome to the Apologetics.com radio show, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. I'm Harry Edwards, your host for the evening. It is the uh, fifth Saturday of the month, and um, as our custom, if there's five Saturdays, the, I, I get to host and I get to invite the other hosts, and we just have a blast talking about our shows and, and things about our life, I guess. Dude, um, you just like jumped in there. I just did. It was yeah. like the music barely came on. Like I wasn't even ready. <laughs> hey, when I get the signal, I <laughs> just, just like, I'm just on. We weren't enjoying that intro. Normally, I like to rock out to the intro a little bit, and then he just jumps into it. That's right. That's just how it is. Making me feel awkward. I didn't even know we were on. <laughs> I, yeah. He's, he's still checking email. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I've got John with me, and I've got Jason. John, you've been MIA for the last uh, few uh a uh, f- few Saturdays or a few Friday nights. What's been going on, man? Tell our listeners what you've been up to. So I, um, my day job is I'm a speaker and content producer for uh, Stand to Reason. So we've been really busy with our reality student apologetics conferences all over the country. And we were just in, well, we did one in Orange County. We did one in Seattle. And then uh, we've got one coming up in two weeks in Minneapolis. And then we're off to... Oh, gosh, uh, Philadelphia. Wow. And then we've got one in Augusta, Georgia. And then we've got one in Dallas, Texas. And there's someone, there's another one somewhere. I just forget where. But, yeah, so I've been teaching at those, but then also trying to tack on some speaking events onto the back end or the front end of those trips. So in Seattle, I got to teach a couple times. Uh, one time to a church, I did my atheist role play, which was really fun. Um, where I just go into a, a setting and I pretend I'm, I'm, I'm I, I pretend I am who I was yeah, there you before go. Jesus and which is not hard, huh? Because you, you lived it for a while. It's actually you know what? It's funny. It's it's getting hotter and hotter. Ah. So like it's just more difficult. The further away from that I get, um, it also feels feels a little dirty because you're not convinced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have fun and, and I so I'm a total prota- uh, protagonist and the the audience always gets into it because I. I I, I, I attack their faith and uh, wow. from, from the stance of relativism. And then I – so so religi- religious pluralism, right? You have your way. I have my way. As for the right way, uh, there isn't one, right? That's Nietzsche. And, um, and then I attack the Bible and I bring up, you know, alleged contradictions in the Bible. I, you know, how many, how many words are in the New Testament? You know, like, you know, 160,000, you know, and then I say, well, how many errors are in it? You know, 400,000, right? And the, the statistic is actually, I mean, true. It's not errors. They're variants. They're differences in, you know, grammatical differences, punctuation, stuff like this. But people don't know that. And that's actually a true statement. So when I bring it up, people go nuts. And then, <laughs> you know, and then I talk about how uh, I need proof and evidence. So I need, I'm a science, like a science guy. And then I talk about the problem of evil. And uh, it's a lot of fun, man. My and the, the audience, mm-hmm. I had about 50 students and uh, 450 um, adults oh, cool. in the audience. Uh, I'm sorry, two, 150 adults and 50 uh Already inflating students. the numbers. Well, I'm a pastor too, so uh, we inflate numbers. You know, no, uh, I, I was getting feedback. Actually, I heard somebody in my in my earphones, so I was like, "Wait, so what is that?" Or maybe outside the studio. And then, um, yeah, so then I taught uh, intelligent design to kindergarten to third grade, and then I taught relativ- relativism to a bunch of fourth to sixth graders, and I had a ball. So um, now I'm back for okay. now until right. two weeks. So you're going to do the show next week then. 
Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, be yeah, on good. next You're week. back. All right. I am back. Back in black. For all of our listeners, John is back. For, for now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, if you want more information about those uh, conferences, check out sdr.org, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, or um, stand to reason. realityapologetics.com. There you go. And, uh, yeah, they're a lot mm-hmm. of fun. And, Jason, have you been? Doing well. Yeah, I'm recovering from a uh, little injury I had playing soccer a few <laughs> weeks ago. Uh, slowed me down a little bit, but should be back on two feet in a few weeks. You <laughs> You're new to soccer, too, right? Yeah, yeah. I picked it up, I don't know, six months ago or something like that. It was a blast. I love it. But uh, the ball and I got in a little fight and <laughs> rolled my ankle the wrong way. Oh, and dude. The ball won. Yeah, huh? the ball won. It usually yeah. does, bro. <laughs> but uh, I'll get back out there. Right on. No yeah. Time. Well, we are live, actually, tonight. Um, and if you want to participate... Uh, in uh, our discussion tonight, and you guys have no idea what we're going to talk about, but if you want to chime in, give us a call, 888-995-5552. Again, that's 888-995-5552. I hope that's the right number. I think that's the right number. But we are live, and uh, guess what, guys? In a couple days, what are most uh, Americans going to be celebrating? The Reformation That's Day. That's right. Reformation Day. <laughs> <laughs> At least Pretty sure. I mean, I definitely am seeing all the Reformation Pretty Day, sure. uh, uh, you know, uh, decorations at Target. And yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. Home all, Depot. Yeah, Martin Luther Reformation costumes. Day you know, plastic yeah, 95 Yeah, they're selling PCs. hammers and nails still. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's right. And paper. That's know. hilarious. So, um, but yeah, if you want to, you know, give us a call, ask us questions about Halloween, that's fine too, but... We want to talk about our annual Reformation show, and um, the expert that I have with us in studio is Jason Gallagher. Uh, you've done wow. many of these things over the years, Jason. I've done right? a few, yeah. Usually, if if this is my week, you know, definitely that's do true. The Reformation that's true. Show. It's it's providentially happened probably like two or three times. I yeah, think. that's right. Well, it's. I was telling you, it's never happened to me. So, but. I get to be here and ask you guys questions. So let's start with that. What happened around uh, the early 1500s? Maybe we can go back before 1517, because in a couple of days it'll be, what, uh, the 504th anniversary yeah, of the Reformation? Yeah. So it's, it's a big event, obviously, a big deal. Um, the Protestant Reformation, it has birthed... Uh, a, a lot of things. Western civ, in, in many cases, government, uh, obviously Protestantism. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are an evangelical or one of the many denominations of Protestants, uh, you trace your history all the yeah. way back to that day. Yeah. Basically, if you are not a Catholic. If you're not a Catholic, that's yeah. right. It's yeah. crazy. I know. Well, yeah, I mean... The heretic it, Luther, right? It goes back... <laughs> hopefully it goes back farther than okay. 1517. Well, you want to go back to, like, the Acts of the Apostles. Yeah, there you go. Hence, hence the word Reformation. Yeah, <laughs> you know. exactly. So, so yeah, t- tell us a little bit about uh, the context behind that. Um, you want to start with that? Uh, like, I, I could ask you, what... Uh, what what was happening around that time uh, with Luther and even s- some of the um, uh, the church folks back then before even before Luther? 
Be- people forget that um, the Catholic Church was really the church when we talked about mm-hmm. when anyone talked about church before 1517 the they meant the, uh, the big Catholic Church with the Pope and bishops clergy all yeah that. so I mean Martin Luther's kind of the central figure of the Reformation um, you know the big date the October 31st date that we remember is the day that uh, Martin Luther he was an Augustinian monk at the time he nailed 95 theses on the door of the church at Wittenberg. And these 95 theses were short little, you know, one to two sentence, um, you know, summaries of things that he thought that the church was teaching that were wrong. Grievances. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is, we have to remind our listeners or, or for anyone that's interested this was a common thing. You post sure. posted messages. It was the bulletin board of the, it's a, it's of the time, board, yeah. right? That's yeah. right. It was like so. It's not Facebook like he was post. wanting to start a revolution or anything. It was a post on Facebook. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, today it would have been um, just like that. Yeah, I've been to Wittenberg, nice, and seen oh, yeah. the, those doors and oh sweet, and been to Luther Haas, his oh. house and stuff. Nice, it's really cool. Nice. I went there on the 500th anniversary. No way, that's awesome. I was there in that summer. Sweet, which was really fun. That's right. You should go. I plan. We should to. take an apologetics. dot com trip. Yeah, That'd be good, and do a show from there yeah, live. Right? You should request like okay. donations. <laughs> we, we need somebody. We need somebody to, to float that bill. There you go. There is somebody listening that could make that happen. <laughs> there we got to pray for that individual. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be amazing. Actually, yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah. So he hammered the ninety five yeah. thesis up because he had uh, issues with the Catholic Church. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the. So prior to this, I think a little bit of background of Martin Luther, um, <laughs> he uh, he was growing up, I think he grew up in a nominally, you know, religious family, kind of had an idea about God. Catholic. Catholic. And there was an event in his life, he was traveling, and he got caught in a, a really crazy thunderstorm, lightning storm, scared him, literally scared the hell out of him. And he basically made a promise to God during that time, if he lived, if he survived this storm, that he would become a monk and kind of dedicate his life to to God and his service. So he became a monk. He started preaching, you know, became a, a pastor or a lecturer at least. And it says like over in 1513, he started lecturing through like the Psalms and Romans and Hebrews, Galatians <laughs> and he was pouring over Romans one through three and you know, 19 through 25, it said really, really stuck out to him. And I'll just read those real quick. Um, and it has to do with justification by faith. It says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And it was here that Martin Luther realized the difference between the righteousness of God, right, which condemns the guilty, 
and the righteousness from God, right, his gift of righteousness, which justifies the ungodly and does so through faith apart from works of the law. And so this faith apart from works of the law was a huge deal because Martin Luther, growing up in the Catholic Church, had seen all the various things that the church was requiring of its people. You know, one thing, the indulgences where you would you would have to, you know, you could actually, they would basically request money. You would put money into these coffers in order to either help one of your prior, you know, deceased relatives to get out of, you know, this so-called purgatory place um, or to help store up what they call like this treasure of merit which kind of like was this treasury. You're pouring into this treasury so that when you do sin, well, you just deduct from that, and then you keep filling it up with more money, and then you keep deducting when you sin, and it was just a mess, just a big you know, exploitation, and well, they he had saw to build St. Peter's Basilica. They had, yeah. They, need, it was, they were, yeah. I if mean, you need to raise money, like for a trip to, yeah. I mean that that principle you know, carries through today, right? I mean, there's no better way for a church to make money than do a building, do project. a building project, right? <laughs> you know, we need money for the building. Yeah, we need so money for the building. In some ways, we haven't really moved away yeah. from well, the reformation. <laughs> hopefully, if your church is doing a building project, they're not like leading you with guilt, <laughs> yeah. you know, or, yeah. or saying, you know, uh, the the saying used to be. I have a quote here that for the indulgences, and of course, I love. Mm-hmm. As soon as the penny jingles into the money box, the soul flies out of purgatory. There you go. You know, I mean, what a load of rubbish and talk about misleading i remember reading in one christian history book um at one point tetzel actually was like an agent of one of the bishops there and he was the one in charge of collecting these indulgences and he said for uh a certain amount uh your deceased loved one's time in purgatory would be shortened by two million years or something like that. Man. I mean, he had a specific number. Yeah, and, and like I wonder how their yeah. soul is. Like when you're that person, like how is, how is your soul? Is it well? Because because like where are you pulling that number from? <laughs> you know, it's just like kind of reaching yeah, up right. and grabbing, two, you know, two million years. And it's just like, well, yeah. and then you're telling these poor people this. And you have to remember in the context right. of the time. People weren't yeah. reading their Bibles, right? They couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't unless they understood Latin. Unless they could read Latin. And a, lot, a large percentage of these right. people were illiterate anyway. Right. So you have, a, you have a church, a whole church, the church, actually withholding yeah. the word. Right. You know, the, yeah. the logos right. from the people right. uh, with intentions of, well, I don't control. think they were good. They were definitely, it was just control. Yeah. No wonder... Atheists and non-believers have yeah. a dirty taste in their mouth or a bad taste in their mouth when they think of this because there have been major abuses. So here's an interesting parallel um, that I was thinking about as we were preparing for this a little bit. So um, you had the Bible. It was written in Latin. Very, very few people in public society knew Latin, so no one could really read the Bible for themselves. They had to rely on what the church was telling them that it said. So they had this stranglehold on information Right, all the information yeah. had to flow through the church, and then they could basically decide what information they wanted to give to people in order to control people. And I was thinking about that. There's a few things here, but Martin Luther, the one reason one of the reasons he was so successful, not him on his own, was because his ideas were then able to be backed up 
through Scripture because the printing press was invented like oh, absolutely. 20 years before the Reformation. Yeah. And he translated the, the New Testament into German. And with, he translated in the common German. The common German, right. right? So this the is Vulgar. like a common, yeah, this yeah, yeah common yeah. vernacular that's not, it's, it, the not educational texts. Right. It's, it's like the NIV of yeah, the yeah, day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is so important. And so, like, uh, was, it, was it Jan Hus? Hus. Hus Hus. Yeah. Um, another reformer Hus-hus? prior, Hus Hus? A prior... <laughs> <laughs> a prior reformer before Luther, yeah, he was basically labeled as a heretic and burned at burned, the stake. Yeah, now that would have happened to Luther, but the word itself couldn't be held back anymore because because the, the printing press allowed it to get into the hands of everyone, so everyone could see what Luther was saying was true, and eventually public opinion turned. Yeah, because of the information that got out to the masses. Now here's a fast forward 500 years to where we're at. Right, we have the printing press set on fire with in the you know in the likes of the internet. Yeah. Right, we could get things out to the world instantly. Yeah, it's and the new printing press. Yeah, it's the new printing press. And what do we have now? We almost have a reversal here, where all this flow of information, we want to get the truth out to as many people as possible, but now all of this is flowing through Google, YouTube, Facebook, and governments who are all trying to restrict yeah. what can be allowed through in order to control the masses. Because if you can control the information that they're getting, you could then control the people. And it's, you know, it's very similar to how the church operated for hundreds of years prior to the Reformation and the printing press. And we're kind of, you know, I think there's some analogous stuff like that we could, you know, just interesting things that we can kind of allude to and talk about yeah. like man that's why information is so important that there's a free flow of information and that it's not going through all these these yeah. kind of choke points that's an know? interesting that's an interesting parallel and and i think something that what always sticks out in my mind is we always have like luther on our minds but we don't like if you trace history back, I mean, the Reformation was, you know, hundreds of years coming. You know, it's not like uh, sure. Luther was the first person. Right. It's just he found that perfect. I mean, John Wycliffe, right? John yeah, Wycliffe John. was in the in the early 1400s. Yeah. I mean, he was 100 years prior. And he was pushing into the yeah. uh, to Catholic Church. And he got but, burned. He got and he burned. Got burned. Yeah. 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 But the Luther fell at this perfect moment in time uh, where – you know, like you said, the Princeton Press had just been released. He had the perfect yeah. friends backing yeah. him, right? You know, right. He, and uh, it was it was it was perfect. I wonder who I wonder who the modern Martin Luther will be. You know, that's going to take advantage of these things yeah, that yeah, have the ability. Because we need that now. We need a new Reformation, right? Uh, well, I think that that's a great question. Actually, you know, should the church be reformed? I mean, do we need? I would say that I semper reformanda. Yeah. I would I would say that the church should always be reforming, in one one way or another. If your yeah. church isn't reforming at all, and it's stagnant, it's yeah, you, not we have we we're never going to arrive this side of eternity, right? We're yeah, we're always going to be striving towards a, a better, deeper, truer understanding of you know God and who yeah. He is, and I mean even in eternity, right? I think yeah. that we're going to be striving yeah. towards. Oh, that absolutely, because, yeah. yeah. I wonder everything. if uh, the church needs to wait until it gets really very bad. Could could it get 
I guess we can imagine that well, it could still get that worse right, than yeah. it is right now. I mean, it's really not all that bad right now. Like, no. let's just be honest with each other, guys. Right. You know, uh, my my biggest complaint we were just today talking was, about this, was gas is now like five bucks. You know, and it's like, yeah. and, and know what? I still fill my tank up. <laughs> So I mean, it's like you know our Don't problems. Don't drive a Tesla. Yeah, <laughs> my, my wife what? my wife drives a Tesla now, uh, okay. and I drive my I have my truck, the, my uh, my bird, Suburban, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, she, yeah, those trucks are painful when to fill I, up. Man. Yeah, when I left the when I left the law firm for Stand to Reason, uh, my wife took over. She acquiesced the Tesla, <laughs> and I don't mind. She she is amazing. So, and Jason, we she were just talking that. about the whole you know how things are getting bad, but uh, you you pose a good question, right? If you were to give people a choice uh, in which era they'd like to live, yeah, uh, which which is the best, right? It'd yeah, be hard pressed to say it's not this. What other five hundred year period of history would you rather live in? Yeah, right. Oh. This is the best. I mean, you could look back. I mean, it's so there is so the much first technology, <laughs> medicine, amenities, Everything. just yeah. Yeah. Internet. Even the there even is, the poorest of the poor aren't there is no as bad better off. time to yeah, be living in history, at least, you know. Well, that makes sense from a post-mill post perspective, right? It absolutely makes sense. Absolutely makes sense, yeah. You well, I, mean? I I wanted to and I Cuz people this. always say things are so bad, this must be the end times. It's like, really? What other what other five hundred year period of history? I mean, would you every time I watch in? any movie that has a historical setting, I'm, I always will say to Rihanna, "I'll be like, I am so glad yeah. I didn't live there in this time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm just really glad, you know. I've I've got running water, you know. I complain when my when my daughters, you know, use up all the hot water, and I have to take a cold shower. <laughs> How about not being able to take a shower? You know, it's just yeah. like it, it was so bad. Uh, I have to share this quote, right? So it was so bad back then during Luther's time that uh, one philosopher said. Men will never be free until the last king is strangled with the entrails of the last priest. It, oh, wow. <laughs> it was that bad, right? That is a picture, man. Yeah, that'd make a good tattoo. Yeah. That's a good meme right there. <laughs> so check this out, you guys. Uh, Let's get back to Luther. Speaking to, speaking to the Bible and okay. its availability. So I'm going to trace the uh, history real quick from before the Reformation and then after the Reformation. So before, before Tyndale and the Reformation, like around 380 A.D., you have the Latin Vulgate translated by Jerome, which was a full translation of the Septuagint, and the Greek New Testament translated into the, the vulgar Latin language. And this was most widely used up until the Reformation, this Latin Vulgate. Um, so in 730 A.D., St. Bede translates John into Old English, in 990 A.D., the Wessex Gospels, which is all four Gospels, translated into Old English. Um, and so through the first millennium, first thousand years after Christ, there were very few people with access to God's Word. There was maybe 400, peop- 400 million people on the planet. Very few of them had access to God's Word. In 1230, the Roman Council of Toulouse bans Bibles in vernacular languages. They literally censored, censored the Bible. In common well, why do you languages. Think they did that? Control. Control, right. They wanted yeah. it. It's a choke point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a capital offense to own a French Bible. 1382, Wycliffe, right? Jerome's land. He translated it into English. Yep. Um, he believed all Christians should read the Bible for themselves. Um, he died in 1384. He was dug up by the Roman church in 1428 and burned as a heretic. 
1455, here comes the printing press, um, analogous to the internet today. And then 1516, one year before the Reformation, Erasmus's Greek text, the Novum Instrumentum, was the first published New Testament in Greek. Okay, so that's very few people up to, up to the Reformation having the Bible. Now, post-Reformation, 1522, you have the Luther Bible, 1526, Tyndale New Testament, 1534, Luther Bible is completed from original languages, 1535, you have the Coverdale Bible, 1537, the Matthew Bible, 1539, the Great Bible, which is King Henry VIII, um, 1560, the Geneva Bible, uh, 1611, the King James Version, um, modern era, 1880, you have the English Revised Version, 1901, the ASV, 1952, the RV, 1971, the NASB, 1973, the NIV, 1979, the New King James, 2001, the ESV, translated from the RSV, so on and so forth, to where it's just, so you can see from right after the Reformation, the printing press, it just exploded. And what we see around the world today in terms of prosperity, you know, uh, freedom, liberty, prosperity, flourishing, economic, you know, growth, uh, justice, you know, all those things, it's truly a result of God's word just, boom, exploding and having, and doing what it's going to do. like. Yeah. You know, can bring about blessing. And, so, uh, what do you think, uh, guys? Um, I, I know we're coming up on a station break, but uh, start thinking along these lines. Like, um, maybe you want to talk a little bit more about Luther, his life, perhaps. But then let's also try to imagine uh, some of the good things that have resulted for, uh, because the Reformation happened, and how our theology is also different now. Oh gosh, five I mean, solas, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of your church? Yeah, Soli Deo Gloria. <laughs> yeah, SDG Church. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of the solas came out of the Reformation. What, what are all of them? Yeah, all of them. Yeah, the, I mean the, the three fundamental questions, right? That the, the Reformation sought to answer. Four fundamental questions was, you know, uh, how is a person saved? Where does religious authority lie? What's the church? And what's the what's the essence of Christian living? <clears throat> and out of those mm, questions and answering yeah. those questions uh, is where we get the five solas, ultimately. Yeah, wh- one of the big things of the Reformation, one of the distinctives, as John, that last thing, Christian living, vocation was a big thing That's right. yeah. for That's Luther right. and the Reformation. Well, I hear the music, so that means we're coming up on a station break. So please stay tuned, and we will be right back after a few words from our sponsors. The mission of Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com. This is John MacArthur. Join me today for Portraits of Grace. 
When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me, he was stating a truth that has been especially dear to me since the early days of my theological education. I may never fully comprehend the depth of what it means to belong to Christ, but I will forever glory in it. Peter said, you're a people of, for God's own possession, which means God bought us with a price. Christians are uniquely God's because he paid the price to redeem us from the bondage of sin and death. Thus we are his, and since we are his eternally, we must live accordingly and rejoice in such a glorious privilege. This is John MacArthur encouraging you to live as portraits of grace. Ladies, welcome to Open My Eyes. I'm Lori Wilburn. Have you ever asked yourself, what does the world see in me? In 1 Peter 2.9, we read, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It seems to me that the church today is living in FOMO, fear of missing out. We have embraced all the trappings of this momentary life, seeking to fit in rather than being set apart. We have forfeited our holy identities as God's people. Woman of God, let's not forget we have been chosen by God and for God. Let's live in such a way to bring Him glory, who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. To learn more, visit my blog at corechurchla.org. All right, let's get back to the apologetics.com radio show. All right, welcome back to the apologetics.com radio show. Uh, my name is Harry Edwards, the ho- your host for this evening. And we are talking about the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation that happened in 1517, October 31st. So it's coming up on uh, the 504th anniversary of that momentous uh, historical event. And Christianity obviously forever changed and got righted a little bit, um, uh, which which is a good thing in our opinion. Of course, he's... Martin Luther is a heretic in the the Catholic Church. Um, so, but, but actually, okay. but actually, like um, in modernity, they've come the the Catholic Church has come back and claimed Luther really as their own. Oh, didn't yeah, know oh that. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Saying there's been a reconcil there was a reconciliation yeah. and when did know. when did that happen and where? Oh man, it, it's <laughs> I forget where I probably I think it was the Second Council of Trent. Yeah, and like the. Fifties or sixties. Okay. I probably read it in that that book that you've got sitting over on oh, the counter. Okay. Yeah, right. I, I, I remember reading that in my church history class. Got it. Got it. Being like, oh, so now they want to claim Luther. <laughs> like that. Of course, that's hard, man. Well, all right. So he posted his ninety-five disputations on the Wittenberg uh, door, and um, what you were just talking about some of those what what are some of the ones you want to highlight jason what are some of the interesting ones man you know i i used to have a a list of some of the the more interesting ones um you know some of them are pretty basic like the first one says when our lord and master jesus christ said repent he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance right 
that one's that's great. Like we could we can learn a lot from that today, right? We should continually be because it's the entire life. I think that's the repenting. emphasis there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he has, you know, some of the ones that are specifically aimed at the Pope. Let's say uh, thesis number five says the Pope neither desires nor is able to remit any penalties except those imposed by his own authority or that of the canons. Right. So the Pope can't forgive anything yeah. on his own, right? But that would have been a radical statement back then because the Catholic Church, because they believe in apostolic uh, authority, right? So they yeah. believe that the, the Pope was uh, – there's a lineage between Peter and the Pope, and that means he speaks for the church. What's that What's that word? Um, oh, man, when, the, when he claims authority – oh, man, he speaks. Ex cathedra? Yes. Yeah. yeah. From yeah. from the chair or something. From the like chair. That. Yeah. He yeah. speaks. Yeah. Yeah. He, he his authority comes. It's it is like that. He can forgive sins. Like he is the representative. Right. And that's a big thing when he disputed that. That's huge. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He must have. He must have made everybody mad. <laughs> yeah. What did you say here? Number sixteen. Hell, purgatory, and heaven seem to differ the same as despair, fear, and assurance of salvation. I would I would put a line through that one like strike that one off right because <laughs> here he he kind of gives um, credence to this idea of purgatory right he said hell purgatory and heaven are kind of analogous to despair fear and assurance of salvation mm. right right so where, where do you think they get the uh, doctrine of purgatory. It seems as though for the souls in purgatory fear should necessarily de- decrease and love increase. So, I mean, Luther was really off in this part of his theology, right? Um, Which is understandable, right? Um, But I think purgatory comes from, if I'm not mistaken, the Apocrypha, um, the the non-canonical books, the the five books that the Catholic uh, Church puts into the Bible that are not part of the biblical canon. Hmm. that makes sense. My understanding is there's some there's some talk of that in those in those works. Well, how about this one? I like this one. Uh, Forty one. Papal indulgences must be preached with caution, lest people erroneously think that they are preferable to other good works of love. How about yeah? Should be abolished. <laughs> should be abolished. Yeah. Yeah. But again, yeah. Remember- so he was obviously influenced by some of the yeah. some of the practices and teachings of the day. Yeah, and, and we have to be careful. It's not like Luther wanted to destroy Catholicism or separate from Catholicism. Mm-hmm. He he was just against the um, abuses of it, the excesses mm-hmm. of it. So, and in the indulgences, like you were saying back then, uh, and, and we have to keep in mind, uh, historically speaking. Uh, people's lifespan was not very long compared to today. So salvation was a huge deal. And mm-hmm. uh, salvation was only found in the church. And if you had to pay your way to get saved, that became a problem for those who could not afford salvation. So like you were saying, Jason, yeah. right? I mean, uh, Martin Luther saw that and um, really questioned the uh, the justification behind that. Yeah, and that thesis 27 deals with that. You know, they, 
they preach only human doctrines who say that as soon as the money clinks into the money chest, the soul flies out of purgatory. John alluded to that earlier <laughs> as well. Um, that's, you know, basically the idea of an indulgence, if people don't understand, you know, the the Catholic Church basically has uh, different types of sins, and one of them deals with the quantity of sins, and if sin is... If sin is quantified, right, then they look to graces or merits as the remedy. Um, baptism in the Catholic teaching atones for original sin. Yeah. The sin that we inherit from Adam is washed away at baptism, right? Which is why they believe baptism to be salvific. And that's why they baptize infants. That's why they baptize infants. Which is just in case. Which gives right. infant baptism a, a totally bad rap. Um, but they believe baptism atones for original sin. Um, from there, it is our actual sins that remain, right? All the original sin has been dealt with. Our actual sin remains. Um, and other sacraments along the way help offset our sins. And so some of those sacraments are the Eucharist, which is basically, you know, the Lord's table or communion, um, but, you know, viewed wrongly. They have confirmation, which is something you go through as like an adolescent, um, marriage is actually a sacrament, you know, so getting married helps kind of deal with some of your sins. And then they have holy orders, you know, confession, going to the priest, you know, getting assigned so many prayers and Hail Marys and whatnot. And so as you sin, you build up all this stuff and then you have to do all these sacraments to, you know, clear your record again. And an indulgence bypasses all of it, right? You bypass all the sacraments and penitents penances through the simple purchase of an indulgence. I mean, doesn't get much easier than that, right? Well, assuming you have the money. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so I think one thing that bothered Martin Luther was like, he'd say, well, these rich and wealthy people, they get all this grace and forgiveness because they have money. But how? So a poor person who's already yeah. suffering in this life, you know, has no material blessing. And then on top of that, they can't get their sins forgiven. Like, and he saw this, he's like, this is just not right, which, which caused him to really, you know, look to the scriptures. And when he found this justification by faith doctrine, he was just, he couldn't hold back anymore. He had to go, you know, make sure that this, that they debated this and talked about it. Yeah. So let me ask you guys, what are some of the, uh, big, uh, significant changes that, happened to the church after the Reformation or after, you know, Martin Luther posted the 95 Theses? <laughs> what are, what are so, some of the major ones? And some of those we uh, appreciate today, don't we? Like the the sure. solace. Yeah, justification by faith alone. In, That's a huge one. Is, is like, is huge. It's really, what's really interesting is, is uh, I mean, even without Martin Luther, the person posting the 95 Theses doing what he did in Wittenberg and, and then in Worms where he was put on trial ultimately and argued, you know, um, uh, you know, I can do no other right here. I stand, mm -hmm. I can do no other Lest right. he says something to the effect, like, you know, unless you can prove what I've been saying by the word of God is wrong, then I can't, I can't do anything, but do what I'm, I'm going to be, even if all of that didn't happen as, as the Bible was translated and published, 
and you start reading passages like Romans, you know, five and six, you start reading Galatians two, you start reading, well, basically all of Paul and you start Mm -hmm. reading, you know, I mean, straight up justification by faith. Uh, I have to believe that there would have been a massive reformation anyway. Um, so that's a huge, yeah, that's huge, huge change. You know, it's it, the 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 Christian, you know, salvation for the Christian isn't according to any work that we do. So it doesn't matter how much money uh, anybody has. It doesn't matter. I call it the great equalizer, right? It's the great equalizer. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it is what makes every single person on this planet equal. We're all made in the image of God and afforded equal opportunity to be saved by the grace of God. Yeah. And it doesn't take, there's no special pleading here. It's not magic words or something that, that, you know, um, but everybody has access to it. So that, that's mm. huge. Yeah. I mean, huge. Is. And I, I remember, yeah, you're right. I think even personally that affected, uh, Luther, uh, because for a while he was struggling, uh, with, with how he could be right with God. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, it was intense for him. And, uh, uh, just, him being a monk already, you know, I mean, his devotion, his whole life was devoted to God, and yet he had a, a very uneasy feeling about the the whole, you know, his standing with uh, God until yeah. he realized that it's not anything that he could do, but it's, it's, and it, I, I think you already explained this a little bit, Jason, it's mm-hmm. uh, his understanding that his righteousness is Christ's righteousness. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not his or something that he he gift. earned or something that he uh, worked into. But no, it's, it's again, the, uh, the whole imputation, right? That's right. The whole mm-hmm. transfer um, yeah. of, of his sin <clears throat> got blotted out and uh, was replaced with Christ's righteousness because, yeah. yeah, so that's huge. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We still, I mean, even in churches today, that that that's still a struggle for people to understand because we're so conditioned, right, by uh, works. Uh, mm-hmm. Because even from uh, when we were little, we get rewarded for good works, and and our our status with our elders is always based on how good we are. Uh, but in Christianity, it's totally different it's totally different yeah sola scriptura is another yeah, one another one sure you know scripture alone they're taking the authority away from the magisterium yeah the, you know the uh the pope and and the religious elite um again which is just uh, once you start reading scripture and you see you see these things i think of specifically you know jesus um and the widow's might right so he's with his guys in the in the uh, temple area and they witness people giving mm-hmm. into the coffers and it's a widow who gives her two coins and it's all she can give. And meanwhile, Jesus is witnessing uh, all the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, uh, yeah. and he just says like her, you know, her, her two pieces of her two coins. She gave the most. She gave the most yeah. out of all of these hypocrites, you know, yeah. whitewashed tombs, right? Woe, woe to you. You know, whitewashed tombs who've been leading God's people. Yeah, astray. they probably didn't preach on that one too much, right? No, I never, right? I mean, right. never. You know, because there was such there's such a parallel between the Pharisees right. and the and the religious aristocracy. Yeah. Um, I mean, even today, there I see parallels, but uh, but but once you get back to the Bible alone, right? Scripture is what carries all authority. It's not man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's not a there's no man. 
And then also Luther really knocked down the idea that we need a representative to, to God, right? Jesus is our ambassador. Yeah. We don't need another person, hence the confessions, right? We need to go confess right, our right, sins right, and that right. person yeah, can yeah, somehow yeah. absolve us. That's right. I mean, Jesus cut those legs off. I mean, uh, Luther cut those legs off, you know, and in that, time, yeah. uh, the authority of the church was, was uh, you know, cut, cut, cut in half. So one of the big arguments or big discussions here revolves around tradition right um some you know the roman catholic tradition was one of the main things that martin luther was protesting against right um and a large part of the thesis is related to indulgences and the corruption um and there could easily be like a knee-jerk reaction to say that all tradition is bad Right. No, but that is so. So yeah, <laughs> right. Good. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you jumped there because yeah, yeah. so. So what role does tradition play in our interpretation of the scriptures? For example, like uh, since we were just talking about sola scriptura, um, do you want to do you want to jump on that or what? What importance does tradition? I think we can gain a lot of things from tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for example, the liturgy of our churches. You okay. know the liturgy of my church is is ancient. You know we can we can trace the the, the almost the exact liturgy. I mean, there's some differences, and of course our, our vernacular changes, our words that we use change, mm-hmm. but the form of the service we yeah. we do very similar to what you guys do at Branch of Hope, right? You know, uh, you know, uh, call to worship, call to worship, confession of sin. Um, pardon, pardon of yeah. So like then you hear the word of God, the table, yeah. you know, um, and 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 all of that. Do you guys recite any recite the or a, a creed? Or? There's there's mm. tradition too, right? Yeah, yeah. Tradition is found in the catechizing of our kids. Hopefully, you're catechizing your kids. Um, if you're listening, everyone's to catechizing this. their kids. Every well, their kids. Right, so right. their kids are getting catechized, whether or yeah. not YouTube and Facebook are doing it or TikTok or whether or not we're doing it. Yeah. But that's tradition, right? So we take these books that are based in tradition. You know, yeah. um, some modern. I mean, I, we use New City Catechism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my that's like just like maybe five or six years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Keller came up with all that, uh, but it's based on Westminster, which is which is old, old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Uh, there, there's, there's definitely room in, in good things in tradition. Yeah. Check this out. There's a couple quotes here that I think you guys might like. Um, our listeners probably like them too, but <laughs> this is from J.I. Packer. You know, Can't go wrong with J.I. Packer. And he says this. He says, Tradition is the fruit of the Spirit's teaching activity from the ages as God's people have sought understanding of Scripture. It is not infallible, That's good. but neither is it negligible. And we impoverish ourselves if we disregard it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the confessions. That's the creeds. You know, that's all the forebearers that are, you know. It's not salvific, and it's not the word of God. Right. But there's value. And here's what, here's R.C. Sproul. He says, although tradition does not rule our interpretation, it does guide it. Yeah. If upon reading a particular passage, you have come up with an interpretation (laughs) that has escaped the notice of every other Christian for 2,000 years— or has been championed by universally recognized heretics, chances are pretty good that you had better abandon your interpretation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah, it's that's totally true. Uh, new new theology is usually not good theology. Right. Yeah. You had a nice uh, saying. On yeah, that. I heard it from Mark Spence. I don't know if you know Mark Spence or not. He's with Living Waters. 
ministry, he said, if it's true, it ain't new. Yeah. And if it's new, it ain't true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's you true. Know, that's yeah, like, it's, it is. Yeah. It's, there's something, there's definitely something to that. You know, when I, I remember being in grad school with uh, Professor Lewis, he, he he he. The reason why his his systematic, for example, we didn't go to Grudem, which Grudem's fine, but he went to Shed, who's like old, yeah. You know, like like go back to the 1600s for our theology, yeah, yeah. which is still actually fairly modern yeah. in yeah. Uh, theological terms. But yeah. the uh, new theology is not good theology yeah. most of the time. Right, right. You know, that's why all that's why you can you can judge most of this progressive Christianity stuff as 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 garbage. Easily, you know, it's it's all if if if. Uh, if it, or or yeah, even yeah, worse, yeah. all the stuff on on homosexuality, right? right. The new readings of homosexuality, you know, re- redefining what the the, the scriptures. Oh, it's not it's not our concept of homosexuality, right? Well, no. It, I mean, if if you're reading something or the gender stuff, for yeah. example, I mean, if you're putting on your 21st century lenses and reinterpreting the scripture coming up with new theology, it's not good. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, it's not good. It's bad. Harry, you never threw a number out, man. What, what do you mean? You what? never threw our phone number out for people to call. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Tell us what they want to do for <laughs> Reformation right. Day. Well, well, I mean, I, I did we got like 10 minutes left in the show. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but if you have any questions <laughs> for us, still give us a call. We got 10 minutes left. It's 888-995-5552. Maybe that number's not working anymore. Yeah, I don't know. 888 995 Yeah. But uh, so, again, what... Jason, what are you doing uh, for Halloween? I'd like to know oh, that, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'd like yeah, yeah, to yeah. know, yeah, yeah. like, what do you do so, with your kids? So here we... So dress yeah. them up like little Luthers? <laughs> I know. We, yeah, I dress them up. They like to get dressed up. Um, and from day one, literally, um, the first year we ever went out with our daughter, um, you know, my conviction is, you know, dr- dressing up's fun, innocent, no big deal. Um, ghosts and goblins, you know, there's, there's some darkness there. There's some images there that are dark. Um, we don't celebrate that. Like we don't celebrate Halloween in any sense. Right. Um, but ever since day one, I said, okay, kids, if we're going to do this, we're going to bring light into this darkness. Right. And so from, from the very beginning I have, we have, we usually get Halloween themed gospel tracks like star Wars or something like that. Um, and whenever they go to a door to get candy, my, you know, my kids will say here, you know, this is for you. It has an important message on the back. Please read it. And then they'll get some candy. And so there's an exchange happening there, right? They get some candy. The person gets a tract off they go. And they've been doing that since they've been born, right? My oldest is 12 now. And since Halloween this year falls on Sunday, like the Lord's day, <laughs> um, I thought, I talk, I said to my kids like a month ago, I was like, kids, uh, Halloween's on the Lord's Day, and I just don't think that we we should do that this year. I think we're just going to skip it this year. And immediately, you know, no hesitation, my daughter's like, Dad, are you saying we can't give tracks out on the Lord's Day? <laughs> and immediately I'm just like, yeah, we're doing Halloween. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's really funny. Yeah, and so – I was I was really proud of them because what I've tried to instill in them, they knew immediately. Yeah. They're like, Dad, this isn't about ghosts and goblins. This is about like bringing light to the darkness. Like, shouldn't we do that on the Lord's Day? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We should do that on the Lord's Day. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's so great. that's what we do. We uh, give them tracks and 
Try How about bring, you, John? What do you do light. with your kids? We don't do tracks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do tracks. We yeah. discuss the Reformation, yeah. and okay. uh, you know, and so they know it as there's the, my kids know that there's a conflict yeah. right between what we believe and what the world believes. So we kind of lean into that. I'm an apologist, right? So I, uh, I I try to give them arguments, teach them the history, and then um, I mean we'll go out and my my kids are pretty innocent and pretty sheltered, so they don't even. They don't do the scary stuff. So we, we oh, yeah. usually last like 25 minutes. And once like they see the first scary mask there, you know, because oh, yeah. I get all girls, they dress yeah. like princesses, yeah. you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, and they're like, they don't want any part of it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's good. I, I mean, think I think they cool, have a good yeah. intuition. They have a, a good, um, I don't want to say simple. It's a innocent spirit about yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's good. Yeah. So we, we, it, 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 we don't even really talk about Halloween. Like they don't. Yeah. Halloween isn't this they thing. Don't, they don't it's not understand. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's just not a thing. It's something that that is out there, but it's the same as like Hanukkah. Sure, you know, not, I'm not saying Hanukkah is the same as Halloween. Like, but I, yeah, I am yeah, saying yeah. that the it's not on my, their radar. It's not on their radar. They yeah. know it exists. They know that people celebrate it around us. Yeah, like today, I think at the school they had Reformation parties in class. You know, my daughter dressed up like a volleyball player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they they got candy or something. I don't actually know. I haven't even like talked to my so, kids today. So that's great. That's great. In terms of the history, so there's this. I hear both sides. <laughs> yeah. One is like Halloween is good from a Christian perspective because the whole idea behind it is you're making fun of the demonic world. You're I making guess. fun of ghosts and goblins, and you're saying all of it's just a joke. You know, Satan's a joke. Like, <laughs> not that he's not real, but He's defeated. He's, you know, Jesus is Lord. And so we could just trample them and we can make fun of them. And that's kind of what it's all about. And then there's another side that says this is serious, like evil witchcraft. People are sacrificing blood sacrifices, Halloween, like it's all glorifying that. Like what are your your guys' thoughts on any of that, those historical kind of – are they both true? I mean (laughs) I I take it as uh, a little bit of – what you said, Jason, I could be totally wrong, but if it is a indeed uh, a pagan holiday, and some may argue that, then I can say that uh, I, I'm not opposed to how it's celebrated today. Uh, but like like you, I don't celebrate it. But in a way, we weakened it. Uh, we've taken out all of the uh, supposedly all of the the bad stuff and made it kind of innocent and fun, and you, mm-hmm. you get to dress up. So. Yeah, you can take that position. I'm I'm okay with it, but overall, I, I don't have a, a strong opinion one way or the other. Because see, if we take that same approach, then we have to also be open to uh, the accusation that Christmas is also, you know, has pagan origins, and why mm. are we yeah. celebrating? Sure. Christ- so, well, it's, it's because we yeah. take everything over. That's right. You know that, what I mean? The like thing. this yeah. is the supremacy of Christ. Right. We take every thought captive to the obedience right. of Christ. We demolish every thought and speculation raised up against the knowledge of God, right? Right. Yeah. So these are the commands that we these these are these are some of the commands that we have. So when we go out there and, and there's a, a hollow I mean, all of these pagan things we should just demolish. That's right. You know, I ultimately agree. we should we should be seeking to there's no neutrality. And right. we should be seeking to, to build God's kingdom on top of everything else. And see, that's a good principle right there. We just take things over. Pre- just period. take it over, yeah. man. That's true. That's... You know, I'm, well, yeah, we try. It's true. Yeah. We try, yeah. And, and I really, really do like it when my kids get tons of candy. Because yeah. <laughs> I get tons of candy. My, my, I mean, my kids, my kids are 11, right. 9, 8, and 5. They can't eat. They, I mean, we have candy in my house for months. It's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, every day after work, I have yeah. Reese's peanut butter cup from the freezer. 
Yummy. Y- you know, just to kind of wrap. Yeah, because we have two minutes left. Here's what Luther. Here's okay. what Luther's kind of like how he ended this thing. He said, "We should preach the word, but the results must be left solely to God's good pleasure." Amen. I opposed indulgences and all the papists, but never with force. I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the words so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word did everything. And I think that's, boom, the word did everything is just key. It is key. Amen. And we need to be just giving that word out. And I would also encourage our listeners to... uh, Look up maybe in history how the Reformation has actually changed not only the church, but it's changed the lives of countless. Um, we have new ways of understanding things, like you were saying. Our understanding of calling has oh, sure. changed. Yeah. Uh, uh, vocation. Yeah. Vocation. Uh, individuality. You know, I mean, there's excesses of that now, but still, you know, mm-hmm. uh, human dignity. Absolutely. Um, how about... Government, even yep. that's, that's huge. So yep. I, again, I would encourage our listeners to uh, delve more deeply into this because there are a lot of good benefits that the Reformation gave us almost 500 years ago. You've been listening to Apologetics.com Radio, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. Our hope is that you've learned some aspect about the Christian worldview that strengthens your faith and make you want to learn more. So special thanks to uh, Jason and John and to Emma back there, our uh, technician. Yeah, Emma! Yes. uh, So until next week, have a good evening.